That's the sound of a wireless system interfering with the phone. We have a problem with some interference. Nope. <laughs> G'day and welcome to another episode of the Purple Fringe. How are you, Chris? I'm very well, thank you. It's been an epic few weeks for me. Uh, how about yourself? Yeah, that's uh, why we've been off air for about a month, I think, now. <laughs> so, John, tell the world what happened with your computer, your lovely Mac. Uh, it died. It died a horrible, fiery death. No, the RAM uh, decided to give up the ghost, or at least I'm hoping it's the RAM, because that's what's out for warranty replacement at the moment. So hopefully when that comes back, I'll have a wonderful new computer. But it was uh, RAM from the United States of America, which means that the shipping takes forever. Excellent. That is the fun of being in Australia and ordering stuff from the internet. Because it's so much cheaper until you have to return it. Exactly. Mm. Just send your big box in a uh, big container. Yeah. Yeah. Thousand dollars later. Yeah. So look. Anyway, uh, we've also had a couple of other things happening to keep us off the air from the audio podcast for a while. We've been doing a bit of video, Chris. It has been uh, been some fun. But we've done uh, what four episodes now of um, a video. Three and, and a half, I think. At this three stage. and a half. Um, yep. We've got. Um, yeah, yeah, the uh, the 150, which we're talking about today. We've actually got a great backup video to go with that coming out when you get your Very computer shortly. back yes. online. <laughs> yes. And, um, yeah, it's it's been um, quite an interesting month. Um, mm. Yeah, actually, so uh, we've also got uh, the Manfrotto CC197 camcorder bag. If you want to have a look at that, we've got a video up on the YouTube channel and we'll have uh, a video on the Promaster XC525 photography tripod that's going up in the not too distant future and we're going to be doing a bit of a practical run around with some osmos at some point that'll be a bit of fun we are um, when we work out how to use them properly yes um, the mystery yes so today chris we've got some news um there's lots going on i don't even know where to start there's some cool stuff that's just come out just out of nowhere in the last um, last uh, month or so well, um, they've about, been announced anyway. How about we start off with uh, an announcement from Hasselblad? Yeah. <laughs> so Hasselblad, uh, we are meant to be the high end of low end digital media production, but Hasselblad probably not so much. Probably the high end of high end. Yeah, traditionally uh, photography. Hasselblad were. Yeah, so they decided to release uh, uh, a mirrorless camera, which traditionally uh, cheaper than um, the Big Brothers, and this is the case, but cheaper than a Hasselblad doesn't really mean that much. So, so what's the price on it, John? <laughs> uh, 9,000 US, body, yep. body only. So dot point here, I want one but can't afford one. So, now, But is that a medium format camera at that point? It's a mirrorless medium format camera, yes. <clears throat> okay, so anyone in, in photography land who's ever played with medium format, I certainly came uh, from playing with the RB... I think it was RB67, I think it was, it was, was the, the format and the camera, but it was a, um, uh, a beautiful camera to work with and the amount of light that you got into the camera and what you could get away with. I mean, it was, at, at film school, it's what all the students were given. And um, yeah, I loved it and did a whole load of black and white on that. And then it was kind of sad moving into the digital world because suddenly you couldn't pick up a body of Mamiya for, you know, two and a half grand second hand and, and have something beautiful in your hands that could do these wonderful pictures. You could, but it was film. Mm. And digital backs cost a fortune. They've never really come down in price. Yep. So, I mean, nine grand's expensive still, but if they could pull it down to five, 
The specs of the camera, 50 megapixels, so no messing about there. 50 million pixels on the sensor there. It's got all the mod cons, Wi-Fi, GPS. It runs uh, with USB-C, which is new and modern and interesting to see, rather than micro or mini USB. Got audio in and out if you want to do video. However, it doesn't do 4K. So you'll get a beautiful HD picture, I'm sure, but only in 1080p. That's which bizarre. Is a bit of an omission. I'm wondering if it's a heat-related issue. That seems to be, especially with Sony's cameras, some of their really small bodies tend to overheat. So maybe that was a problem. It does have dual SD, so you've got a pro feature in the fact that it's dual SD, probably not a pro thing. But if you've got two of them, I can handle that, especially in a smaller body. And it has got some new lenses, um, and the old ones will work with an adapter, much like Canon or Nikon's uh, mirrorless cameras. But I mean, the, the biggest selling point on this is the size of the sensor. It's huge. It's it's like a, it's like your full frame sensor times four. Like it's massive, yeah, massive sensor in it. And it's but that, of course you need to have medium format lenses for it. So, mm. you know, it's it's a bit of a you can't just get your your fifty drop nifty your, drop your nine grand and then you're gonna have to drop a fair bit more to get the to lenses. get the lenses to go yeah. with it. But it's you know it is that next level. And as an entry step into that next level, it's good to see something under ten k come out. Mm. Um, but moving on, I think because um, yeah, lots to get through. Lots to get through. And look, Hasselblad's still a dream for most of us. I think. Yeah. Chris, what have you got? I've got in front of me now something that's completely, uh, I guess, unrelated. It's an accessory for audio. Mm. Uh, it is a new delivery from uh, Testcam, who uh, do audio recorders, and they've been doing recording gear since, um, you know, forever. Um, and this is a mic, shotgun mic for your camera that comes on a little boom as I turn my screen around so John can see it and it's <laughs> and listen to his responsive confusion. Curious. Yeah. Uh, and it basically um, puts your microphone a little bit closer and over the top of your camera towards your talent and um, it records on the actual microphone too. It has a little uh, module that records so that instead of having a separate recorder like strapped to you or something like that, you know, you just uh, use a little recorder in the... the um, yeah, in the, the mic itself, which can be handy if you want to use your body of your camera, for instance, to record a second audio source, so say from a lapel or something like that, uh, mm. and have this as a standalone shotgun recording. These mm. would be inherently useful if you just wanted to get a mic and bang it somewhere quick. Yeah. I would imagine this is a mic that would be super helpful if you're in a shooting situation where you just, you've got a, a little light stand with the mic mounted on it, and you just need to, or a little lighting stand, you know, yep. just, just with the, and you just want to... Pop it in front of something. You need to get sound in. You've got 30 seconds until something goes live. You haven't got an audio solution. You run with this thing and put it in because there's no cables hanging off it into an audio recorder or anything like that. It's an all-in-one shotgun mic with an audio recorder attached to it. Mm. That, as a prospect, is kind of cool. I've seen a few of those in the lovely ear uh, realm and you get things, of course, like Rode's um, smart, smart Lav that you use with your phone. So you stick the phone in someone's coat pockets and uh, just trust that it's recording and grab the audio later. It's interesting to see it in the shotgun mic, but uh, I guess uh, it's the same sort of theory. Yeah, well, it's, it's as I said before, a perfect use case is, is when you, you know, you can deal with it in post afterwards. I mean, it's not yeah, ideal, but you just want to, you want to get a mic in somewhere and you want it to have it recording and you've already used all your channels up on your camera. Yeah. So yeah. it's a nice little sort of ancillary mic for, for doing that. Yeah, it looks kind of weird though. It does look weird because it has the boom with it. You don't yeah. have to use the little boom. But the boom, see, the problem with a lot of the time is when, if I'm shooting with from you, you're about a meter away from me now. Mm. I could be shooting you on a, say, a, a 30 or something like that on a prime and get like, a, you know, quite a nice image. Mm. But it would be a case of like 
to get the sound even, you know, another 20 centimetres closer to you is going to sound better. Yeah, definitely. The but closer you not, get the mic. Yeah, why not use a lapel, but, you know, still. Well, yeah. Yeah, yep. interesting concept, and, you know, it runs on AAs. It's just out of the box. It just works. So. Cool. Uh, next up on the list, a little while ago now, but um, it has been in between shows. So the uh, WWDC, the Worldwide Developers Conference with Apple, happened uh, a little while back, and one of the announcements, which wasn't one of the the big ones on stage, was the fact that raw shooting is coming to iOS. So Android's had this in various capacities for a while now, Um the iPhone is basically the, the most widely used camera in the world. So it's interesting to see that they are finally bringing RAW to iOS 10. So uh, it'll only work on the higher end, uh, more recent phones. So iPhone 6S, the 6S Plus, the SE and iPad Pro 9.7, not the, the bigger one, interestingly enough. Um, but it means that apps will be able to get into the nitty gritty of the photos that you take and give you a lot more control over the pictures that you take which I'm really looking forward to because everyone's always saying phones are good enough now. That's a load of crap. They are not. They are nowhere near anything like a 1.4 lens on a nice uh, full-frame body. So this will at least give you a little bit more control. Um, One of the things that pisses me off about iPhoneography, as it's called, mm-hmm. <laughs> is uh, the fact that once you take the photo, there isn't much latitude left in the image because it's been so processed because of computational photography, which is what all phones do. And they remove the noise and do multiple layers. Yeah, as soon as you want to really push and pull, especially the edges of the images, the, the highlights and the shadows, there's nothing left and you just end up with really horrid um, artifacting. Yeah. So the fact that you can record a RAW and then fix it properly later on, computational photography is fantastic. And the reality is it's the future for lots of things, but I still want to get in to the RAW data occasionally and I want to make the decision rather than the phone itself. So yeah, have you downloaded any of the... Um no, I've um denied, and the fact that my main computer blew up means that I want everything else in my life to be reliable, otherwise I would have tried it. Um, interestingly, the iPad Pro can also capture DCI-P3 color space on top of sRGB, hmm. um, which is fascinating more. to be shooting with an iPad and get that sort of uh, well, color that's space. A spec. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, look, it's an interesting development, and hopefully it means that you know, we'll, we'll have a, another set of apps that can take advantage, come out in the not-too-distant future. Hmm. Talking of something that you might be able to use with a phone, here's another little, uh, I call it a toy, uh, that fits in your pocket. And uh, this is a lighting uh, kit. It's essentially... (laughs) In your pocket, Chris. It's essentially a battery um, with some LEDs attached to it. (laughs) Yes. With a diffuser over the front of it. So it's a credit card size Uh, light. I've seen similar things before. Yep. Yeah. And it's this one's from Aperture who have made a a few sort of... They seem to be quite good at at solving problems and and putting stuff out at a fairly cheap price. Hmm. For, you know, 75 Australian, you know, 50 US kind of price... This gives you a light that is, you know, easy to shove in your pocket. You yep. can put three of them in your pocket. Yep. And just think about the usefulness of having three little, you know, ambient lights where if you've got a, you know, let's just say a um, a situation where you've, you're doing an interview at a bar late at night shooting a documentary as I will be in New York City in three weeks' time. Yep. And I've got to, like, you know, just quickly light up the scene in a nice subtle, small, low-lit way with that. But I want a couple of little lights. Mm. So, you know, this thing... I'm probably going to get a little adapter for it. It's like a, um, 
like a, a, a V shape that will go into a bottle, a beer bottle, yep. so that I can actually have uh, like beer bottles and use them as lighting stands. Because, yep. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll have access to people in a, a bar sort of situation and I want to, you know, have the camera there and just chuck a lapel on them and get interviews. Mm. So it, for that kind of thing, it's going to be absolutely perfect. So I'm planning on getting a couple of these. For 75 bucks, it's a no-brainer. A uh, little thing to have in your kit. Yeah, uh, ch- Charges off USB, so, it's, you know, it doesn't have the AA battery option, which is mm. a bit frustrating. But very simple. It's the Aperture Armin M9. We'll chuck it up on the, um, yeah, on the Purple Fringe, purple fringe uh, page as well. But, yeah, I, I personally think little um, little lights are super handy, but you've got to be sort of a little diffused, and that's the traditional yeah, problem. Yeah, because there's had. the cube light out there, which is a similar sort of price, mm. I think. Which and that's is kind of cool. It's just a little cube, and there's I think two companies that make something very similar. But you are getting a very localized light source. The, the fact that you mentioned bottles earlier, Chris, reminds me of um, some projects that I've seen in in third world countries where people are basically putting LEDs inside water bottles and using them as ceiling lights, and they last for ages and get powered off the sun and and give a nice diffused look. So maybe you could basically pump this into a water bottle or something to diffuse it a little bit more. <laughs> well, I don't know if they're waterproof. They might be. Well, they look like they could be. Quickly. They're fairly, oh, apart from the USB slot. But mm. yeah, another interesting um, little development that's um, that's come out. Premiere CC 2015 version God. 3. Yep. Um, I can't keep track of the CC version numbers anymore. Premiere's up to version 3, After Effects up to version 3, I think Photoshop's up to version 5, and all these other apps are up to different versions. But the latest version of Premiere from Adobe uh, released a couple of weeks ago. A couple of um, big changes. The, the main one from what I can see is focused on workflow. So they've introduced a lot of proxy stuff, which is the old case of what's old is new again. Um Many other apps have had this forever, and you've been able to do proxy workflows in Premiere. It's just been a little bit hacky. They've now got a a fully featured proxy workflow. You can do a proper ingest and generate proxies on ingest and then switch reasonably seamlessly between the two, a la Final Cut or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, It gives you a little bit more control over your proxies. So if you want to stick a big dirty watermark over your proxies or something like that, or you want super duper low bitrate proxies because you know you're editing on a tablet or whatever the case may be, it does give you a fair bit of control, which is kind of cool. So I'm up for that in this world of 5K, 6K, 8K video. Why didn't they get it right with the HD world? Like, you know, we've been needing proxies. There's been sort of three or four times in history where we've needed a good proxy system Mm -hmm. and... Avid's always had it in its own kind of way with its transcoding everything that comes into the system. You know, the, you know, some of the other, Edius has had a proxy system for a while, as has Final Cut, I think, in some, or is it yeah. only the new one? The well, X? no, you could do uh, proxies. It's just a lot easier in, in X yeah. 10. Surprising um, it's only coming along now, but yeah. yeah. Right. Look, it looks like it'd be okay. They've sort of hidden, hidden it away, which is something that Adobe seems to be doing with some of their new features, which is a bit annoying. Um, it's not immediately present on the surface as soon as you launch the new version, but it is there. Um, With respect to 3D video support, you can now actually uh, edit 3D content and you can pan around in it. Yeah, Um, I've already done that actually. Sorry? You've already done that? You've had a crack at that? How's it work? Uh, Yeah, it works okay. Yeah? Uh, Yeah, no, it worked all right. The only thing is that we shot on the iFly 360 4K, so... Or the fly three three sixty flies it called I can't remember three sixty fly I think it drink. is yeah and um <laughs> oh yeah sorry drink mm-hmm. and look it worked um yeah I've I've actually got another video which I'm working on soon uh, which I shot I actually um I hung a three sixty camera over a band um yep it was a twenty two piece band that had like a choir and had a violin section and had 
uh, with lots of musicians, and then you're above, hovering above the dance floor, and it, it's just it actually looks amazing. But um, yeah, I think yeah. concerts are actually one of the few things that works where, really yeah, well. Yeah, especially only... once we get to the point where we can do it live, then it'll be pretty yeah, cool. yeah. We're talking about trying to do that at the moment. At work. Multicam um, three sixty live. Yeah, that's the dream, isn't it? It's possible. Um, you just got to keep four lines of switch the whole time and have a like uh, four yeah. switches like uh, running all your channels all the time. It's... And the lag's a bit dreadful at the moment, from what I can see on uh, my tests with YouTube, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's lag, but I mean, you don't really. Yeah, it doesn't matter if there's a little bit of delay between. A little when you bit's watch not it, too bad, but, but anything interactive. Yeah, we're trying to do a project at the moment where we stick up a sky crane and stick a 360 camera on it, and then have a VR headset connected up to that. Doesn't work because there's a 30 oh second my God. lag. <laughs> that, is that a skull effect? <laughs> yeah. In case you've just joined us on the Purple Fringe for the first episode, we drink every time we talk about immersive video 360 VR, or virtual reality. Yeah. Um, yeah. So other benefits and improvements to version three of Premiere CC. Uh, edit while importing. Um, yeah, every other system's had that forever. Uh, Built-in stock purchases may be useful occasionally, and also you can sell your own stuff. So maybe if you are a, a budding videographer, you can stick some stuff up there if it's any good. Even if it's not, I think you can still stick it up there. Um, performance enhancements, faster on metal. I'm putting up the heavy metal sign right now. On Mac and uh, Intel Iris H.264 on Windows. Uh, Nave Decode, a.k.a. no quick time, a.k.a. no security risks on Windows. So, uh, so can you open ProRes. Quick, can you open ProRes files now? You can open ProRes files. You can, can I, open animation files and a few other files. Can I open photo, a uh, JPEG? JPEG. Because a lot of stock uh, well, material, yes. old stock material is photo JPEG yeah. codec. Yeah, uh, photo JPEG. Not sure about that. There will be some. I don't think you can open any of your Cinepack files, Chris. Damn. Um, no Sorensen. No, yeah. uh, well, I don't know. There might be Sorensen. Who knows? But yeah. But Pro, so, ProRes is the main one. So they have they've have put support in. So we were talking a few weeks ago about uh, the fact that this whole QuickTime debacle on the PC is been a bit of an issue, but it seems that Premiere have jumped straight on board and, and come up with a solution yeah. within a single version, which is good because this could have been a bit of an ongoing thing. But yes. I think Premiere, especially at the moment, seem to be quite good at having a team together who are creating nice, solid software. Well, yes. And they're also nicking all the good features from Final Cut, which I'm both annoyed and happy about because it means that, hey, we're getting better software. Um, there's all, there's been a few articles I've noted in the last week, Chris, about, um, what's going on with Final Cut because it has been quiet for a while and there has been a few meetings and NDAs being signed. So people are suggesting that maybe the next one will be a big one. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out there. And since Adobe are nicking all their ideas, well, maybe they're trying to hold off on revealing them. But, uh, anyway, look, Final Cut and Premiere neck and neck at the moment, I think, um, Premiere is definitely getting the market share though. I'm seeing a lot of people cutting on Premiere, a lot of people moving away from Avid. Yeah, um, interesting that. A lot of people still swearing by Avid though, and yeah. the Avid users are getting more Avid-y. Yeah, I know, and I'm not sure why <laughs> they're swearing by Avid, but they are. Oh, look, I can tell you why they swear <laughs> by Avid, because uh, I work a lot with people who swear by it, and it's because uh, it's, it's just, worked for ages. Yeah. It's because it transcodes everything into DNxHD, and everyone goes DNxHD 36, which has like a ton of uh, like overhead as far as power, because you don't need you could edit it on a a Pentium four, and it's it just has so much power with a with a you know modern day processor that many of the people using Avid are editing on a Pentium four from what I've seen. Oh so. well, no, the guys that I'm, I'm working with now are using it on the 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 dustbin uh, Mac Pros and. 
It yeah. screams. It screams yeah. so fast when you because you drag stuff in and it media manages like no other system. It forces yeah. you to media manage. Yeah. And for me, it's like annoying as hell. Which is the it, opposite of what Adobe's always preached it, and Edius has preached. Exactly. And and it puts everything in its own folder structure, in its own place with its own file names, its own, and you have to name everything through the metadata rather mm. than. So you, you you sort of have some idea of where the files are on the hard disk, but it's it manages that for you. So the the hard disk is a magical place where things just happen. Yeah, and um, which is not dissimilar to the Final Cut Ten database system. But the one thing Avid does that I have not seen any other system does do is it it has bin files saved for every single bin. So if you're trying to merge projects and you've got four or five people mm. working on a project together off a, a shared NAS, which you can set up. Um, you can have easily three or four people, no brainer, like working on the same project. Yeah, if, which if has I, always been a big, big uh, advantage of having. Yeah, and yeah. if I double click on a thing, it'll say oh, I can't open this because Tanya down the corridor is using it. Oh, so I've got to go. Hey, Tanya, you know, I need to use something out of your bin, like or out of your project. Um, Edius for work groups does a similar thing. Yeah. Um, and Premiere. Well, Premiere has its technology, but at the at the moment, it's not for the normal person. It's definitely not for the high end of low end. It's for um, big news corporations at this stage. Got you. Yeah. yeah. So that is why people ask where. But I mean, more and more, I mean, we are going to have projects where multiple people are working on stuff and you just want it to be able to, you know, to access things. And it's like with Photoshop files where you're just giving people... I guess, a file with layers and things in to work on and they take their bits and work. You know, you want to be able to have it so it updates through the, the chain. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I, they've never quite got that solid so that you can actually be working on something and have objects update. Well, you can obviously right-click and then update asset. So if you're in After Effects and you're, you know, you're bringing Photoshop stuff in, you can have a designer working on things and actually improving and changing it and having it updating in a project. That's the kind of stuff we want to be able to see happen mm. in Premiere where someone else can be working on something yep. in another Premiere project and it's it's actually reflecting in your... Too. Google, Whether it'll Google happen, Docs for editing. Yeah. Uh, so. Cool. So, uh, Chris, anything else on your list? There is. Sorry, I'm as you to, as you attempt to open your beer, I'm trying to open a beer with a bottle of pliers. We forgot a bottle opener. Um, While you're yeah. doing that, I'm going to attempt mine. Okay, there is actually I've got a, a couple more bits of news here. So we've got a Nikon uh, D5, which is of course the high end Nikon um, DSLR. They yes. finally allowed it to shoot more than three minutes at 4K. <laughs> nice of them. <laughs> yeah, they were, was, why did they do that? Because the D5 came out and it was like, can only throw, shoot three minutes at a time. But picture looks phenomenal. It's yeah. like, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> so now you can shoot the, the obligatory 29 minutes and 59 seconds of um, a video uh, on the Nikon 5D, which is, oh, sorry, Nikon D5. So for all you pros out there with a um, your nice uh, D5 body, you can actually shoot proper 4K now. Get that update. Um, something interesting, uh, actually, that's come out recently, if we, we're talking uh, news that's got me scratching my head a bit, is a little-known company called Sam, sorry, Saramonic. Have you heard of Saramonic before? I have not. Okay, so, <laughs> all right, so Saramonic are a, a, a Chinese company that have popped up. They're probably an offshoot of another company, and um, they've made a radio transmitter pack um which looks awfully like a sony um uwp d11 which is the sort of standard sony uh transmitter receiver pack lapel microphone kit that you buy yep and um instead of being 
Success. $600, $700. We're actually selling them uh, here for 300 bucks, which is a real bargain. But um, the interesting thing about it is that it's actually two transmitters and one receiver, and it's a stereo receiver. So... Um, the traditional problem is when you've got two, especially if you're shooting with a, a, a DSLR uh, and you've got two receiver packs for your wireless lapel kits, it's a pain in the ass trying to mount it on your camera because you, you can't mount two kits without getting a cage system, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Whether if you've got one and you can mount that on your um, top of your camera, uh, that's going to save you a lot of hassle. So this is two transmitter packs and a receiver pack, and it's 300 US, which mm-hmm. is ungodly cheap it's uh a quarter of the price when you consider it's two Mm. um and yeah it does things like it automatically um finds free frequencies in inverted commas so frequencies that do not have anything transmitting on it and then Mm. transmits the uh, frequencies from the receiver so the receiver does a scan and goes okay these are empty spots uh transmitters you should transmit on this signal and transmitter two you should transmit on this signal so it's supposed Mm. to be a one button press configuration you know busy signal area where you can just instantly get two channels and start shooting i'll be interested to see what free channels it does choose because one of the issues we face as aussies is that uh very recently they decided to restack the digital spectrum yep and limited options basically meant that a whole lot of people got fucked over in terms of their wireless gear whether it be people like us doing uh, a documentary down the street or whether it be a church uh, minister who was trying to preach to his um, his congregation anyone using wireless gear may have been stomped on and had to repurchase gear so we have particularly weird wireless laws about the the gear that can be used down to the suburb if you actually want to follow the the letter of the law so you can go from one suburb to another uh, to another and it's potentially true that the gear you can use in one suburb you can't use in the next suburb that's it's bizarre pretty stupid and actual fact what it's come down to is that it doesn't really matter as long as you buy the Australian certified gear, then you're fine. Yes, even though the Australian certified gear technically can operate on illegal frequencies and the defaults on many of the pieces of equipment jump into the illegal frequencies. So, yes, it's bizarre. So I'm interested to see what frequencies this operates on. And it doesn't Um, actually say, I mean, I'm sure the specifications, I'm trying to find the specs. um, It does look identical in style to the UWP D16 units in my office. It's a Sony, yeah, very Sony. Sony will be very upset at this product. Uh, And they have a transmitter called a TX10 and a receiver called an RX10. Very, very upset. (laughs) Be fuming. But look, I mean, this is one of those Chinese products that's come out I can only assume it's Chinese, um, and it's a really well-priced product for what you're mm. getting. And um, if it actually delivers it what it says, it could be a really cheap, great way to get two transmitters, two lapel kits for 300 US dollars, which is really cheap. Mm. Um, the biggest complaint that the reviewer managed to get uh, that I read a review on, he got an early pack, uh, was that they're very heavy. So if you traditionally use the Sennheiser EWP100 sort of kits, this mm-hmm. is apparently three times heavier. So it's a That's little pretty, block of steel. Yeah. And then he went on to say, oh, well, the battery clasp that goes on the back of it is actually really flimsy and plasticky and looks like it's going to snap. Mm. So I don't know. It, it sort of screams as a product that has potential. Um, yeah, but- look, there's lots of other cheap, especially in America, not in this country, but in America, you can get lots of cheap wireless 
gear. And this looks like a, a super duper version of some of that. It gives you a lot more features because most of those are just basically two frequencies and you mm. hope that one of them is clear. Uh, we can't get those or we can get those, but we, we generally try to avoid those in this country. So this looks like somewhere in between, between the uh, you know the higher end stuff like Sony and Sennheiser. And now we've got Rode playing in this space as well. So this is just a little bit cheaper again and giving you some features that some of the big boys, aka Sony and Sennheiser, are not giving you in terms of the, the stereo functionality. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that stereo functionality is something I've been looking for for a long time. Just a single receiver that has two outputs on it. Well... Yeah, eventually, hopefully there'll be some sort of digital standard that uh, makes this a lot easier and a lot smaller and uh, a lot more reliable. But until then, this looks like an interesting way of attacking the problem. Mm, especially because cameras already have um, Wi-Fi built into them. Yes, it's unreliable. But uh, yes, they do have that. Um, <clears throat> I'm thinking an Ethernet jack might be a bit more reliable. Ethernet always better than Wi-Fi. Mm. Anyway, Chris, uh, anything else on your list before we uh, get into I'm the main topic for today? Trying to open Chris, a beer with Chris a pair is of pliers. Uh, opening a beer. We might we might take a break while Chris. Oh, oh success! I got it. There we go. Hey. Excellent. Fantastic. Oh, that was a All right, we might have to actually um, upload bru- our bruising beer tops. on my fingers. From <laughs> We've done this. some epic beer opening. Yes, with some cheap rubbish pliers. Uh, Chris, today's main topic revolves around a camera that you and I have both had a bit of experience with. Yeah. That is Sony's new baby. This is the Sony PXW-Z150 video camcorder. Mm. Um, it's a, a nice little camera. We've uh, created a video, which, as Chris mentioned earlier in the show, will be up hopefully shortly. Uh, however, in the interim, we, we've got a, a pretty good sense of what this camera is like in the real world. So this is a camera that Sony have released um, as part of, a, I guess, a, a, an answer to its long lineup of classic cameras. If you go back to the, um, oh gosh, we're going back even further, 1998, kind of to the early um, uh, VX1000, VX2000 series of Sony's cameras that were the first sort of high quality uh, semi-broadcast cameras that were were prosumer. They basically mm. almost invented the prosumer brand. I mean, there was a few guys... Uh, uh, Back when prosumer wasn't a dirty word. No, that's right. And there was an 8mm camera before that, but the early um, or, or high 8 camera that had proper mic inputs and things. And this was kind of the, the DV camera that started it all, I guess, the DVX 100, uh, 1000. Was it mm. 1000? Or the... You're a little older than me, Chris. So uh, I wasn't in that generation. Or something or VRX 1000 it was. Yeah. So basically that came out and it followed on with the PD-150 and the PD-170 and then it Everything went HD and then it mm. went to the Z1 and then everything got a little sharper and it went to the sort of Z7, Z5 and then it sort of moved from that to the... Um, yeah, X160s and yeah, stuff like sort that. Of inter- intermediate that yeah. were like the um, the XD cam sort of style. So you've got yeah, just mm. above that, you had your EX1s that were around your $9,000 mark, yeah, $8,000 mark. But there was this, always this price point that was around $5,000, mm. uh, $6,000 Australian or about sort of $4,500 US dollars that was that... First step into getting a pro body that had all the buttons in the places that you needed to, you know, get to everything instantly. So you have manual buttons for gain, manual buttons for, and switches for white balance and, and, Mm. you know, a manual iris ring, a manual focus ring, a manual uh, zoom ring. And you you had everything. And then you had batteries that lasted for five hours. You had media, dual media slots, all that pro stuff uh, sort of came in at that $5,000 mark. And we've been waiting for another camera for a while. Uh, that sort of answers the 4K uh, side of things. And Sony did it a while ago with their Z100. 
And um, there was a couple of complaints with that. And in particular, the 4K was sh- wasn't quite sharp. <laughs> I thought you were going to say shit. Oh, well, it was shit. That's why it wasn't quite sharp. Basically, but, if it was indoors, it didn't work. Yeah. So this is now Sony's new sensor system, their one-inch sensor, which is slightly bigger. Stacked sensor. Stacked sensor. Yep. And it's, yeah, it, it's a, a camera that is designed to follow on from the Z5, from, the Z, from those classic range of cameras. And it kind of does. Kind of. Uh, before we get into the, the kind of details, let's run through some of the specs of it. Let's do it. It's um, the NPF battery, so the 770 is what it comes with. We use the 970s with it for the most part. Which is great if you've got an old series, like yeah, the yeah, batteries. Yeah, yeah, if you've got a few of them kicking around. Batteries. A lot of lights use those batteries. Even some wireless mics and stuff can use and those batteries. audio recorders can use those batteries too. There's a lot of stuff that, and monitors as well, external monitors. Yeah. Can all use Yes, that good point, yep. NP series. Um, stuff you probably want to get on top of it. It doesn't come with a shotgun mic, which is an important thing to note because Generally, at this sort of price point, you have got a shotgun mic. Not always, but often you did get one. This doesn't come with a shotgun mic, so it's something to consider. Uh, grab a bag, grab some extra memory cards. It takes SD. It's got dual slots, so a couple of 64 gigs or maybe even larger, and you probably want at least one extra battery. I'll complain on that front. The battery that comes with it's not big enough. Yeah, they're not 770, the 770s. It'll yeah. give you an hour and a half. The 970 doesn't sound that much bigger from a number, but it is that much bigger from actual capacity. Honestly, the best thing you do is get two of those and you'll be shooting all day. Yep. Now, with the zoom ratio, it is a 12 times optical zoom, which doesn't seem like much. It also gives you the Sony clear zoom technology, which is digital zoom that doesn't suck, uh, which is how I'm referring to it. It gives you up to 18 times zoom with yep. the clear zoom, which is, uh, as you'll see on the, the video version of our review, a reasonable amount of distance. It's not as good as some of the other cameras. Um, things like the X160 slash X180 has a 25 times optical zoom, so that's got it beat there. But this is this is a pretty good zoom range if you are happy with clear zoom. Yep, and so far it seems to be all right. Yep. It's um, reasonably lightweight for its size. Uh, it is a little bit more compact than some of the other cameras that have come before it. Um, again, comparing with its bigger brother, the X180, um, which is kind of its baby brother in some respects, but physically it's its bigger brother. It's it's nearly 800 grams lighter. So it's a, for its size, it's a pretty light camera. What do we like, Chris? What what did you think was, was good about this camera? I think the picture quality that comes out of it... Um, kind of important in camera? Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly for doing landscapes and for doing wides and for, um, for doing uh, run and gun on the fly, just you know, getting a you know, at a, at a conference or a wedding or an event or it's like, you know, even with bands or something like that, you know, it's, if you've just got to swing a camera around and, and get something into focus pretty quickly and, you know, and capture it in its essence, mm. it's a fantastic camera for that. For those who aren't familiar with the form factor, it's a very good running gun form factor. It's got a nice big chunky handle on top. You can grab it out of the bag. It's got a built-in uh, lens hood cover, so you don't have to worry about taking off lens caps and that sort of thing. The buttons are mostly there, sometimes in weird places, but they are all there. We'll get to that. Um, Look, the, the autofocus system on it's okay. It does have facial tracking, which most cameras do these days, and that works reasonably well, apart from when you're in the, the clear zoom ratio. You zoom the, into a certain point and suddenly yeah, all suddenly your autofocus just kills goes a itself. Bit funny. Uh, yeah, yeah, it goes back to stupid autofocus. It has built-in ND filters. That's an absolute lifesaver. So if you yeah, need to I suddenly... All, even the X70 now does. So yeah, all so Sony's cameras have built-in ND, ND filters. Yeah. It's so handy just to be able to flick that ND filter. If you suddenly t- find yourself outside and you need to 
pull the exposure down by magnitude so you can do that with Chroma- a single click. Chromatic aberration is pretty good. No big issues there. If you push in, and this is a typical is when you zoom right in at your lowest f-stop, um, it tends to break up a little bit. This camera is fantastic. Pretty good. It's yeah. sharp. The lens technology in this is, is really good quality. Yeah. Look, as Chris talked about earlier, Wi-Fi is included in the camera. It's not too laggy, but it's still unreliable. Not like the first generation of stuff. It works a lot better than that, but I would not use it on a mission-critical thing, except maybe if it's a wide and I'm just checking focus or maybe trying to push in just a tad. I would not be using this for anything else that's mission-critical. On the side of audio, because um, audio is important, uh, mm-hmm. the audio inputs are fantastic, really clean, records uncompressed audio, uh, LPCM audio. Uh, the It has a hot shoe mount as well, which as, means you yep. can just put the Sony receivers if you've got uh, with the hot shoe mount. Yeah, you if you get the MAD adapter cable or whatever it's called. Yeah, you can yep. just click it straight on and not have cables to hook up, so very yep. fast to, to hook up a receiver. Um yeah, switches to switch between inputs and things like that, so you can very easily switch it back to mic, um, to your internal mics, something that even the professional cameras three times the price don't allow mm-hmm. you to do, as I found mm-hmm. out recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about recording at 100 frames per second constantly, Chris? It does record at 100 frames per it second does. constantly, <laughs> as does my little RX10 that's yes. a third of the price, yeah. as does not my camera that is three times the price, yeah, but indeed. we'll get to that. Maybe mm. a firmware update will fix that. Yep. So, yeah, and, and look, it seems to be quite well supported as well. Sony have released a firmware upgrade for it already, and mm. um, uh, I mean, I can't complain much about it as a Yeah, as look, a camera. it, it needs a bit of light to get going, especially if you come from something that uses a Super 35 sensor or a full-frame sensor with yeah. SLR. Now, that being said, you can crank the gain and not worry too much with this camera. Uh, many years ago, you'd be going, ooh, I've put 9 dB again in there. That's going to start to look a bit dodgy. This camera, it's not really an issue you at all. You can get it up to sort of 20 dB before yeah. it falls apart. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, depth of field, you're not going to get super shallow depth of field, but hey, that can sometimes be a good thing. It's not going to be a filmic camera. You're not going to no. get your you know, really beautiful filmic look or your, your classy interviews no. kind of thing. It's yeah, look, if that. you do want... To, do, uh, to, to use this camera as an interview camera and you do want a shallow depth of field, you're going to need big rooms, basically, or big spaces where you've got depth behind your subject and depth in front of your subject so you can get the camera back and really punch in on the lens. Yeah. Um, macro stuff, as you'll see in our video review, it does macro stuff really well. Like, I couldn't complain too much, really. You can't do any macro at the long end of the lens, but if you pull back a bit and get in nice and tight, it can do some surprising stuff with, with the macro side of things. And, and yeah, certainly getting in super close, and you could even put it on a little slider and just sort of tuck it along and get some yeah. really nice detail shots of something super close. I mean, it, it really does that well, and that's something that you, you can't even do without a lot of stuffing around on bigger cameras. So Yeah. With the... um. The built-in stabilization on the lens, I started off thinking it was all right. I'm upgrading that to reasonably good, in fact. Yeah. I mean, compared to... It has an active steady mode that's quite good. So compared to uh, some of the other cameras that are out there, it's it's heavier, so it will kind of bounce around in your hand a little bit more just from being, you know, heavier. You've still got more what we call low-frequency, I guess, uh, vibration. The lighter your camera, generally, the the higher frequency the the vibration. So what I mean by that is mobile like your, phone your, style shaky cam. Yeah, you, your your hands are dampened. Once something's heavy enough, you sort of dampen the 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 shake. 
Um, and it does quite a good job of, of pulling off those, the sort of mid shake. I mean, there's still a little bit of, of wobble in your shots when you're shooting, but that shaky <coughs> shake look, you know, that, yeah. that sort of super vibrating shake. look. Yeah, it, it certainly removes that. And you can walk along with this camera and, and interview someone as they're walking and get away with it if you practice. Yeah. It takes a bit of practice and you've got to walk like, you know, you've, you, you're sort of on your almost like, uh, I can't explain it, but like there's this super like slidey walk. You need to go to the bathroom really badly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's probably where <laughs> we'd be going with it. So yeah. you, you've got to walk that you can walk with this camera and get away with shooting stuff, run and gun, which is kind of cool. For mm. documentary work and for um, even things like skateboard videos and stuff like that, it'd be pretty cool, I reckon. Yeah. Now, in terms of things that could be improved, the number of buttons, there aren't enough buttons. Like no. One of the things you pay for these days is buttons really like it's mm. form factor you, you pay a lot for form factor these days and i think sony's crippled this a little bit with the buttons because hey buttons don't cost that much no and, and they, they have limited them they've missed one key key button which is a joystick on the um the the, the hand grip side, hand grip side. Mm. if they had to put a joystick on that and a menu button they would have made a killer camera Mm. And it sounds so stupid that we'd be saying, oh, getting to the menu is tricky. There's quite a few times when you need to duck into a menu and change something. Now, all the traditional cameras that came before this had a little menu button on the side at the back. I can I automatically move there, like, you know, motor in I've my been brain. using this camera several times a week for the last month, and I still move there looking for the menu yeah, button. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the thing. Every Sony camera before this, you, you had the menu button at the back of the camera, and you had a little roller. Even and on you, the X70, it's down on the left You just rolled up side. and down, and then you touched the roller to get to the next option. And, mm. it was, it was, and then you pressed the menu button to go back. And it was a real simple, really effective menu system. These guys, oh, my God, they've put the menu on the top of the camera where you can't see it. Underneath where the LCD would go. So if you're using the the EVF, you cannot push the menu button. And every time you touch the menu buttons, if it's on a tripod, you can't see it. If you're handheld, you've got to move your supporting hand, like that's on the front of the camera, on top of the camera. It's just... It's impossible to use without wobbling and screwing up your shot in almost every situation. It's and just... people saying, well, why don't you just remap the, the menu button? Yes, you can do that. But as we mentioned before, there's not enough buttons to begin with, let alone if you remap one of them to be the menu button. You could remap the menu button, but then the navigation to go up, down, left, right. You're still you on top. You're still on top of the camera. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, yeah. look, honestly, it's, it's probably the most moronic decision I've ever seen. It's the most product-destroying decision I've ever seen any manufacturer come up with, and I'm going to put that on the record. And I'm the actually going to commit to that. That is totally... Sony made an amazing camera, and they fucked it with their with menu, the menu controls. Buttons. And the other thing is, again, you can remap it, but there is no histogram button. There is no peaking button. All these things that you need as a running-gun shooter, the they're not there. So you need to go into the fucking menu, so you need... You need to use that fucking menu button on top. And the previous models had these buttons. It's the thing. Yeah. They removed them. And it's, it's, there's a lot of those buttons where you're just like, hang on, that button doesn't exist anymore. And yeah. when you've moved from the previous models and suddenly these buttons are missing that have always been critical and they're still critical today. Mm. Look, uh, I, I could forgive it on something like the X70, but at least it has the menu button in the right spot. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have peaking either and doesn't have histogram either. But at least the menu button's on the left-hand side. And we're talking a much lesser camera, which is probably more functional just because you can get to everything, you know, if you need to get to it. Hmm. Um, Look, those big issues aside, other smaller issues, things like the the weird defaults, like when you power up the camera for the first time, it's in interlaced mode. Um, How often do you shoot in interlaced mode, Chris, these Um, days? Only if it's doing news coverage. 
So it is the not broadcast often. standard, but yeah. yeah, not that often anymore. Um, clear zooms turned off. Uh, all the buttons are mapped to things I don't care about, like S and Q motion. So yeah, not quite what I want. Uh, I'd like it to do higher frame rates in Ultra HD. So its main competitor, I would argue, would be the Panasonic DVX200. Uh, it's a little bit more expensive. A little bit That's more expensive. A category, but yeah. but uh, yeah, it does 50p at Ultra HD, and I think we are moving towards 50p reasonably quickly. I know a lot of people who swear by 50p these days. I'm not that into it, but I do like it for particular things. It can't do it, which is a bit of a shame. The ND is not variable. Um, not a massive thing, I suppose, at this price point, but there are other cameras out there that do do it at this price point, yep. so it would be nice to see. The transition between optical and clear zoom, it's noticeable. It's not a massive thing. A normal person probably wouldn't but notice it. has a it, little stutter. It's like a... The best way I can describe it is like a drop frame. Most people don't notice a drop frame. I notice a drop frame. So, so when you're zooming into a subject, it sort of has this little pause, pause before it hesitates. continues zooming in. Yes. I got to say my FS5 does that too. So Yeah. As does the FS7. So. Mm. Um, look, there are some banding and noise issues with shadows once you start pushing the gain a little bit. Nothing major, but it's definitely there. The USB connection, Chris, micro USB. Yeah, I mean, what would what else do you expect? You don't use a micro USB that much. For it to be mini at the very least, but yeah, uh, micro, micro USB is all the rage, man. And what? what I know, but, but I'm surprised they didn't good. use USB three, like a proper USB three connector. Like it's like US... a, a B connector. Well, a big yeah, 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 one. with the big um, yeah. you know, well, it, it... yes, it'd be the exact opposite of what they decided to use, and it would be good. Yeah, because uh, but... it would be a li- little bit more robust. And the cable they give you with it is like is, uh, is thirty centimeters. Or so. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the um, first thing you do is throw out the cable. It's like, oh yep. god, what is this stupid cable? Yep, we... And they don't give you a memory card reader with it, which I was a little dark with. Yeah. Um, and talking of accessories in the box. John, would you like to talk about the battery charger? Because I know you're itching. The charger. What the hell, Sony? What the hell? <laughs> it's a drink um, event. It is. It's more than a drink event. It's it's a horrible little plastic L-shaped piece of crap. It's um it's pretty horrible, really. Like the the power connector that goes into it is not a micro USB connector, but, but it's it may as well be. Size, <laughs> so it's going to break. It's. It, it I mean, we're talking no the battery charger as well. Like, it, it, it gives you one LED that says, yes, I'm charging. It's like, well, great. How long are you going to take? Or, you know, how much battery life have got left? Or, or something else. Like, the original battery chargers that came with the the, the Z7 That's or even, exactly what I was even some to. of the cheaper ones that didn't have displays, but at least they had multiple LEDs to show you how far progressed you were. Um, this is just some cheap little piece of shit. And also, the fact that you go from the charger to a power brick to a figure eight cable, you end up with this big behemoth of cables and it's messy and it's unsightly and it sounds like we're getting amped over nothing. No, no, no. The reason we're just, getting amped is because yeah. the Z5, the Z7s and the, even some of the cameras came with this charger that was a dual dock charger and you got the camera, you bought the camera, it came with this giant dual dock charger. So the first thing you said is, oh, it's got two docks and I need to buy another battery. So it meant you'd, you'd automatically buy another battery, but these things were great. You put the battery on and it came up with a full display that said how many minutes until the battery was charged, how many minutes of life the battery had in it yep. and a full kind of report on the battery. And mm. it was great. And you had two charger docks and it would swap from charger A to charger B, yep. you know, when it had finished. So you could constantly have batteries on charge and be shooting and knowing where you're at. Mm. And this little battery charger, I mean, my Canon charger that my point and shoot Ixus that was like, 
120 bucks has a better charger than this thing. And this is a five and a half thousand dollar camera. What the fuck? And it, it, and it feels cheaper than a shitty charger that you get with a crappy point and shoot camera. Yeah. Have a look at the video. You'll see what we mean. Um, the lens, I wish it was faster at the long end. It's a 2.8 to F4 lens. So it's not horrible, but look, I'd like it to be 2.8 all the way through or even faster at the wide end Mm -hmm. as some of the predecessors were. Um, yeah. And the small size of the camera is good and bad. It can be bad because the, uh, the ergonomics are perhaps not what they could. Yeah. Being a bit short, what happens is when you wedge a camera, Sort of, it's hard to explain, but against your chest and you're actually holding the camera and you're looking through it. The older cameras would place the screen about, oh, about a foot in front of your face. So that was about a, a distance where you can sort of focus without totally destroying your eyes. I have a theory that every five centimeters closer you get to your eyes, you're sort of like needing, you know, an extra 0.5 on your glasses in the next few years coming, you know, because your eyes are just focusing on this stupidly close, you know, distance to look at the mini screen on the camera. So, and it's like that with this, if you're trying to shoot it and wedge it so it's stable, the Mm. screen ends up about 15 centimeters in front of your face. You kind of want to wedge it because it's lighter than some of the other cameras, but it's still not easy. It's sort of camera that you can go handheld completely for 10 minutes and then your wrist starts to hurt and your hand starts to hurt from the weight. So it is a camera that encourages itself to be wedged, but doesn't really work that way. Mm. And of course the display on it, it's okay, but it's not going to give you a 4K image. If you really want to see a nice resolved HD image, you're going to have to put another monitor on it. Yeah. That being said though, it's not a bad screen. I don't mind. Oh, it's a great screen for what it is. It's tight. It's small, but it's going to give you... Mm. I think it's a 960 by, so uh, whatever the other is. So it's it's actually quarter yeah. HD, which is not too bad. But it's not, I mean, when you're trying to shoot 4K and using peaking and things, it's still a bit yeah. tricky to see when you're exactly in focus. So overall, our conclusion, and I'll keep this a bit shorter than we did in the video, I think basically it's a reliable workhorse that's crippled somewhat by that stupid menu button. Yeah. Um, if they fix that up, again, it sounds like such a little thing until you use it, it's freaking annoying. Uh, if they'd fixed that, I think it would be a very serviceable camera. It is It is a very serviceable camera. It's just a serviceable camera with this annoyance of tapping on the top of the camera, looking for the menu button and the D-pad every now and then. So, look, yeah, a good camera. If you are looking for something to do, run and gun corporate or weddings or documentary or, or whatever it may be, you're not looking for super shallow depth of field, you've generally got some light to work with or using a lighting kit, it's a great camera. Yep. Um, if you are trying to shoot in very low light conditions, if you want super shallow depth of field, it's probably not the camera for you. You should check out something higher end like uh, the FS7 or the FS5 if you can spring for that. But or then maybe you... you're shooting on SLRs perhaps even. Yeah. And at that point, you're sort of really hitting the, you know, six, 7,000 for an entry, you know, A7 sort of camera or, you know, going up to the sort of 14, 15 grand of an FS5 or 20 grand of the, the FS7. And the Canon interesting thing with this camera is that I can get great shots out of it. I, I can get out and shoot with it and mostly enjoy shooting with it. Um, but there was enough with it through that menu option and a few other things that I went to buy one and I bought something else because it just, those little things were just enough for me. Plus I decided to take the next step and go higher end. But I, yeah. like, I could, 
would would I recommend it as a camera? And if I think about it, yes, I would. Because what else are you really going to buy for that money? Yeah, look, it's I, be that I, good. Have... I mean, it, it's an amazing camera. The picture, we're talking about a picture, which is all your audience are going to see at the end of the day. Picture is amazing. Um, you might need a little bit of, um, like if you're doing interviews with critical focus, you might need to get a monitor in just so you can double check your focus, but you can but punch at least you in. can punch in while you're recording and get a good sense of yeah, it. Yeah. You can punch in. The punching isn't perfect, but it's still, still it's pretty good. It's usable. Look, uh, despite my frustrations with it, I found myself using the camera quite a bit in the last couple of weeks and it's not perfect, but, um, it's a good running gun camera. Um, if you want the sexy shallow depth field, you're looking at higher end Sony or, or Blackmagic or, or something like that. So, yeah, overall, pretty good camera. But it's got three things that mean that it will be your ideal camera, which is battery life. Yep. Get two of those MP970s uh, and you're shooting for nine hours, 12 hours. Basically, you never have to worry about a battery in your life again. Do not underestimate how amazing that is as a as a something to, to strike off your Whereas list. Whereas Black Magic, our battery life not so good. Let's not even talk about that. Um, it has fantastic audio quality, and the audio inputs are just rock solid. It will record until the cows come home. You've got codec configuration with a bitrate, which is a nice iframe format. Sorry, a nice sorry. Um, uh, long gop. got long gop format. So other than an iframe format, which you know these cameras will just eat memory for breakfast, that it shoots. Small files that look fantastic. And, I mean, you rarely, rarely would see it break up, like ex- exceedingly Unless rarely. Unless you are shooting confetti. Unless you're shooting confetti. But even then it'll still hold for the most part. And I, I'm Sorry, I just love it when the grand final's on on, on broadcast TV. You're one SD, of those people who pauses it. It just goes completely to shithouse when the confetti cannons <laughs> fire. It's fantastic. So there's a lot of reasons for this camera to really hold up, and it does. Uh, it, I mean, yeah, those reasons alone... Uh, reasons to, to use it. And I mean, even when you put it down to 60 megabits per second, uh, it still holds on the 4K mode. Yep. And that's great because you can shoot, you know, four or five hours per memory card at 4K and that is just amazing. Yeah, fantastic. So look, it cannot complain really is a 4K entry level camera for four and a half, five thousand dollars $5,000. Gee, uh, there's nothing else that will touch it. Just move the menu button, please, Sony. Please. What were you doing? So for the X200, I'm, I'm all about the, uh, the sorry, the Z200. <laughs> so the next model, is yep. is the Z200 going to be it? or the, What about the Z170? Are they going to go back on their naming like do a 160 and a 180 <laughs> like the, uh, no, they can't do that. They've already done that. And, of course, you might want something like a, there's a new ICANN DH7 coming out, which is a 4K monitor that you can slap on top mm-hmm. um, and gives you, a uh, really, really clean image on a screen that you can use outdoors, really bright. So there's all these options that are starting to come out um, in the next uh, few months that you could slap on it to make it even more functional. Indeed. All right, Chris, uh, a beer of the week. Now, we worked for this one, didn't we, Chris, with those needle nose pliers? Uh, the Wicked Elf Pale Ale, four point. Uh, sorry, 5.4% alcohol. It is. It's a small batch, handcrafted, finest quality beer from Port Macquarie. In Australia, it's up near where my folks live. So this is, uh, in fact, where your folks live too. So this is up um, in Australia, or if you go up the east coast side yep. of Australia and you swing past Sydney and you keep going and you keep driving for about seven and a half hours, you hit this little place called Port Macquarie. It's a lovely little spot. Um, it is a port, as it says. It's not a working port anymore. It's more of a retirement Village. Sort of town <laughs> slash holiday place. It's I, I'm trying to think. It's a bit like Cornwall in the UK, or um, I'm trying to think in America what it'd be the equivalent of like I'm not 
not Florida, yeah, or Miami, but it's 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 definitely got that vibe of um, it's a bit Long Islandy, mm. um, but yeah, it's sort of uh, quite well known for uh, its produce, and they produced a beer. Yeah, look, mm. eh, I don't know what to say about this one. I like it. Um, I'm not not dumbfounded by it. It's, it hasn't got anything that pokes out mm. as its defining character. It's it's got a um, it's got a hoppy. Uh, foundation to it, There's yeah, like, but, it's, no, not, but not it's not super. It's not a sour hop. hops. It's yeah. it's kind of like a fairly processed hops. Mm. Um, it's nice. It's just uh, fruity it's like, as well. Yeah, it's, it's got a bit like of everything. A lot of beers we have in that they're they're fine. You, someone hands you a beer and you say, "Great, thanks. This is lovely." But it's not something I necessarily seek out. Of, I don't think it says best served in a chilled glass. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe that's our problem. Maybe that's our problem. We're opening it with pliers and doing a blog, <laughs> and we're not sitting on an establishment nice leather uh, Chesterfield. <laughs> drink it. How we should drink it. Anyway, guys, thanks cool. for sticking with us for another week. Yeah, um, um, we'll try and been... do the next one like not in a month or two. We'll try and like, although Chris is off. On his adventures over in the United States of America, hopefully he uh, doesn't encounter Donald Trump while he's over there. Uh, no. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll get an episode done. I think when he gets back, maybe yeah, we'll some, get uh, one before I go. All right, maybe. but it's uh, either way. Uh, you get to you get to visit uh, the holy mecca of digital media production, B and H. Yeah, I will be going to B&H while I'm in New York. That's on my to-do list. Yes. And I've got specific things I want to pick up. Might include this uh, DH7 monitor if I can mm. get hold of it. Excellent. Because that's been my big thing at the moment. And we might even talk about the FS5 um, at some point in the future. It's been quite an interesting camera to uh, have a relationship with for the last yes. few months for me. All right, Chris. Till next time. This is the sound effect of John opening a bottle of beer with a pair of pliers. A very good sound effect. <laughs> very sad sound effect. The sound effects on this will probably prove how ineffective it is. To open a bloody bottle of beer with needle nose pliers. Damn.